Welcome to A Higher Future in Healthcare, where we're exploring obstacles and solutions to healthcare's growing workforce demands. Tune in to hear from thought leaders as they share their perspectives on strategy, technology, AI, and people who are paving the way for transformative change. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Higher Future in Healthcare. I'm Yvaldo Simonetti, co-founder of IIA Healthcare, uh, one of the hosts of this podcast. And we're, we're starting uh, to talk more and more about artificial intelligence, AI, and its impact in uh, the healthcare space, particularly as it relates to the workforce. Um, and so we're exploring different angles of, of that because we know that AI is a very important topic amongst healthcare leaders right now, you know, the, trying to figure out ways to use AI for patient care, uh, for other processes throughout the organization, you know, not only to save time and money, but, um, you know, as a way to cope with other obstacles such as, you know, talent shortages and things like that. So uh, I'm excited to talk to Jeremy Langson today. He's bringing in a really interesting, unique perspective that, uh, again, it, you know, this is a specific use case, but the, the, the way they go about using AI is super interesting. So, Jeremy, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I appreciate you having me, Baldo. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about you, your background, your experience, how you got, how you got into this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, just, you know, start from square one. I studied biomedical engineering at Vanderbilt. Um, I recently graduated and started full time with Portal Innovations. Uh, it's a venture accelerator started in Chicago about three years ago uh, with the goal to accelerate emerging biotech markets to provide, you know, human capital, uh, people that can, you know, do the technical challenges that are applied to biotech startups, the physical capital. So, you know, actual money being provided to these companies as they look for startup funding. And then also, so the lab capital, so just a place for them to actually do their experiments and, you know, move that company forward because it's so expensive to get lab space these days with commercial real estate. You know, it's one of the few consistent needs from a real estate standpoint. And so my introduction to Portal started as an intern um, and the first project that I was working on is Stargaze, this artificial intelligence driven kind of radar way to look into um, innovations in the biotech space and unlock them and accelerate them. And the project started with the goal of, as I mentioned, as a radar. So pulling inventor information to get a better concept of what does it actually look like for people to translate their research into an investable startup? And how can we identify the types of people that do that? And then how can we use our model to not only identify those, but classify people as they're earlier and earlier on to say, who are the types of people that will create startups? Who are the types of people that are researching things that can be translated into investable startups? And how can we interact with those people as early as possible and give them the necessary resources to turn those ideas into tangible things that can actually reach patients? Yeah, and, and that's what's really fascinating to me. So um, before we kind of dive into the, the, the specifics, uh, how do you define AI currently? You know, what's your perspective on AI as it stands in, in the marketplace today? So, you know, I first came across artificial intelligence when I was in a bioinformatics lab at Vanderbilt studying single cell RNA sequencing. And we were trying to find, we were using machine learning to improve the tools to 
better sequence RNA information. And RNA data is super messy. You know, there's a lot of mutations in it. There's a lot of missing data in our sequencing algorithms and techniques aren't completely perfect. So we use artificial intelligence to try and predict what are the types of mutations that can occur. How do we fill in the missing data for uh, certain nucleotides that maybe we don't have? And how can we predict certain genes based on the nucleotide sequences we have? Um, and you know, that's more of a nitty gritty machine learning, taking, you know, iterating upon the process to improve the way in which you can predict. Um, you know, I've seen AI from the natural language processing standpoint um, in electronic medical data and trying to use it to extrapolate text and then make predictions based on diagnoses. Um, but what we're really seeing a lot of, especially, you know, publicly facing is generative AI. Um, and while I understand why that has picked up so much excitement um, from a consumer standpoint, and especially how easily you know user interfacing it can be. When we're talking about AI in the healthcare sector, machine learning is really where the most value is. Um, it's the process of you know taking this expansive clinical data um, and saying how do patients react, and if we can use that to predict the way certain patients you know be it pathogenesis, the way, you know, certain diseases occur, um, or certain genes to predict the way in which certain diseases will occur, um, or be it different treatment mechanisms and diagnostics for understanding the way in which patients will respond to something. Um, by, you know, doing these processes over and over again and iterating upon it with each sequence, it's, we don't have to go through the process of physicians doing it hundreds of times and figuring out what works and doesn't work, but you can just evaluate it in the data to get a better understanding of how a patient would respond to certain things and improve the decision-making earlier on. Um, and so similarly, from a venture standpoint, you know, this is how kind of portals ideation came into play. Instead of doing, you know, guessing, people always say venture capital is a pattern recognition game. You know, it takes a lot to tune your senses and your knowledge of what does a good company look like? What does a good team look like? What does a good innovator look like in an entrepreneurial lead? What are the foundational aspects that you expect and need in a company? And you can do that over 20 or 30 years, but really in such a volatile and ever-changing biotech market where new technologies are being iterated and improved upon every year, two years, and you know, incredibly novel techniques are being created that would be impossible to perpetually be an expert on them. It's important to utilize these tools that can increase the efficiency of the way in which we identify these companies and invest in them. So it's not just the ones that are coming to us most, but the ones that are actually the most viable investments. You know, venture, it's, it's because... The companies themselves run very lean um, and it's just there's not enough capital to go around. They have to make decisions to invest in companies where often it's, you know, two incredible companies. Which one are we going to put money in? And be it a relationship that someone has or, you know, maybe it's a connection to a lab or the feasibility of the relationship and the potential investment. Um, by being able to expedite the process with which we can scan these investments and get a better understanding of, you know, what actually has the potential to become a translational technology to reach patients, we can improve our efficiency of our investments to make those dollars actually more impactful and actually reach patients more tangibly. Yeah, that, so if I'm understanding that correctly, what you're saying, it, it, I mean, you're you're layering on a way to look at a lot of data from a lot of different sources in a much more efficient way than, you know, let's say a group of people combing through that data, you know, to your point, a physician only has so much time, right? So, but if you've got this, um, this machine learning, this AI doing that for us, 
they it can do so much more in so much less time exactly. and therefore you're getting a much bigger picture of you know uh you know where you can go with the information mm-hmm. and so i think that's that you know i think there's a lot of misconceptions out there a lot of fear mongering a lot of you know fear reporting on ai currently and uh i think if we just step back a minute and and sit down and really understand what what the capabilities currently are it, it's it's that right it's it's our we as human beings can only process so much individually uh, at a time and wouldn't it be great i mean that's why the internet's so great right it gives us access to so much information but again it, we can't process all of that information it's just exactly. not possible right like our brains can't do that so having a, a guide, a piece of technology that can do that for us, and then surface that data in a way that gives us now the opportunity to make a better decision. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's the key. Um, it's not, you know, I, I think especially as the fear mongering gets involved, people make these assumptions that, you know, input AI model, output decision. But yeah. it's not you know, it's not as binary as that. It's right. input a whole bunch of data, output cleaner and better source data. And then you can stand and then you can ask the questions and then you can dive further. But it's not that doctors are going to be replaced by a diagnostic model. It's not that investors are going to be replaced by some tool to scan and find the best potential returns on investment. You know, there will always be the need for this subjectivity, um, especially, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of limitations right now um, in the way in which AI is being developed and the data that's being inputted to AI models and thus limitations on the outputs of the AI models. Um, And having a, a human who is interfaced into that process who can say, I understand that we only have this much data being put in. I understand that the data is biased because it's not including data that's being pulled from this type of diagnostic, or it's, you know, we're only looking at the patent models of how people are, you know, creating innovation. We're not, you know, weighing the grant efficacy nearly as much as we are, you know, this metric. So how can we adjust for that? How can we understand that? How can we limit our outputs knowing that the inputs are being biased? And, you know, I would say that like, as we think about portal and how we utilize stargaze um a a substantial chunk of the project and the utilization of it comes from the you know actual person interfacing with the data you know there's a reason as we create stargaze we we make it interactive and we do that for a reason it's Mm -hmm. not just an answer that comes out um especially as we've begun talking about and utilizing it more we've even shifted further away from creating quote unquote classifiers to identify innovative researchers and say, you know, X person has a 95% chance of creating a startup. X person has a 92% and this person is an 87, you know, instead of doing it like that, we're really focusing on and realizing the power of um, innovation uh, astronomers. So if you take stargaze, this metaphor of, you know, projecting innovation into the sky and then using this tool, almost like a telescope to take a picture, yeah. Or I were to look through a billion dollar telescope, you know, we'd see pretty pictures of colors and dots, but we wouldn't really know how to interpret the story of the universe from that. We wouldn't be able to say, you know, this star exploded 10 million years ago. And, you know, this is what the remnants are, or this is the creation of a new universe in this pocket, or these two universes collided. And then this pulled out from here. It's the same way when you look at Stargaze. So we take a picture of an innovation map, we pull it up. It's a bunch of pretty dots and colors and pictures, you know, 
But it takes right. someone who's an expert and has such a strong understanding of, you know, how can you actually get a story from this? Because otherwise, it's it's just a bunch of data that's being organized in a different way. But that's the purpose of it. It's how can we better source this data? How can we put it in a way that's more interpretable? And then you take the expertise that we can provide, you know, that each one of us, you know, humans can provide. It's the subjectivity of it all. And that's why yeah. it can never be truly replaced. Nothing can ever truly be completely replaced by it. It's just making things more efficient, making things more effective so that our time, so that our dollars, they're going towards tangible outputs instead of, you know, people wasting time. Yeah, that's great. Because it's, uh, you know, it it puts a fine point on freeing us up to to really participate in the most important parts of the, the process, right? Yeah. And you know, and in terms in terms of workforce, you know, it's it's the this kind of technology can really help hiring teams, for example, sit down and have a, a truly impactful discussion about uh, you know apples to apples comparison of qualified candidates who you know all meet the criteria and and you know we, we've shown that the data shows that any one of these might actually be a really great fit mm -hmm. but now as a team let's really sit down and discuss and make the decision together have a conversation with them hear what they have to say you and know have a conversation with them exactly right like yeah. let's sit there yeah yeah exactly um and i think that's that's to, to your point i mean it, it that's that's where ai is really great and you know i think people or companies trying to sell you something that replaces the human in a sense or replaces those key aspects of what a human being should be involved in, in any kind of process, mm -hmm. um, really needs to be questioned. And, and, and I think that's where, you know, the ethical questions come in, you know, that's where the danger can come in, is if we're just letting these, these programs that, I mean, let's be honest, they were developed by a human being, right? And so- and only as good as who developed them exactly right and it'll be biased by the knowledge that that human had at the time when they exactly. created the program that's exactly right so if we sit back and realize that and know that okay then if that's the case then you know the what this thing was made to do let's let it do that and and but and not assign it sort of this this like leadership role in our decision making process because it's not it's it shouldn't be. It's it's a, a way to get us better, more clean information so that we can make a better decision about whatever it might be. But um, it's and I only think, as good as the questions you ask it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. You can't just turn it on. I mean, it's you you gotta guide it, right? I mean, I'm sure Stargaze, you know, you've done a lot of work in really preparing the the framework mm -hmm. to give you really good information to make a decision on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, even then, as I mentioned, it's an interactive map to be explored. Um, yeah, sure. And it, 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 I think in education, there's this big, I think, especially in education, um, mm -hmm. there's a large amount of fear associated with AI because people are, they have to completely rethink the way in which they're teaching students because it's no longer memorize this answer, memorize this way in which to do something. You know, it's 
well, I have a tool that can just do that. I have a tool that can just reformat everything. I have a tool that can take my ideas and put them into a paper. I have a tool that can, you know, just analyze these values, this spreadsheet and, you know, create a regression for it. Why do I need to learn how to do it? It's learning how to ask the questions. And so I think universities and schools, um, there were kind of two separate reactions that you saw as GPT got rolled out and as AI in general has been being rolled out, as you see some schools where they say, you know, no, no one's allowed to use it. If you're <laughs> right. using it, you know, you're that's failure and that's cheating. Um, and then you have schools where it's like, no, it's going to be open. We should be using this. We'd be handicapping ourselves to not. Um, I took a course near the end of my education at Vanderbilt where we had a screen up at all times on a projector that had GPT oh. pulled up. Because if we had any question in our conversation, why would we not just ask GPT? We had, I mean, it only has so many limitations when you're talking about yeah. biomedical research. Um, but still, if a question can be answered like that, why not answer it? You know, that information, yeah. benefit, but it's the questions. It's figuring out you know, what, yeah. what types of things should I be trying to answer? I mean, you'll see if you ask one question to chat GPT, it's not nearly as functional or beneficial as if you probe right. it and have an entire conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and so then you can even imagine how much quicker we could learn, right? Yep. Maybe, you know, we could maybe speed up education. I mean, there's, you know, so many industries complaining about a talent shortage. We can't find the right talent. Well, you know, maybe it's time to start considering the upskilling, reskilling, like let's, let's help people learn more skills, Exactly. And we can, now we can do that quicker with all of this technology. Yeah. And how great would that be that everybody yeah. is now upskilling, reskilling, learning more, doing more, you know, being more impactful, not only for themselves, but for the organization. Like, how great is that? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, this is, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation, because I think it's, you know, what we're trying to do is clarify for people what this technology is and what it can do, right? Like the impact it can really have on an organization. And uh, it, it really starts with leaders understanding that so that they can better communicate how this is really going to help everybody, not replace, not hinder, um, as long as to your point, we are uh, using it in the right way, asking the right questions, using the right prompts. Um, it can really make a difference. So thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. Really appreciate it, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me, Baldo. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thanks. A Higher Future in Healthcare is a production of IIA Healthcare, a healthcare technology company and creators of Interview IA an interview platform for healthcare organizations to streamline their interview processes to deliver unparalleled candidate experiences and to create a true competitive advantage for delivering quality care. Learn more at www.iiahealthcare.com.